0: Welcome to the Too Much Like Right podcast, I'm your host, Ulysses Minor. I am honored to have my first guest ever in the history of the Too Much Like Right podcast. Mr. William Hanning, he is the Chief Information Security Officer of Group's Three Hundred and Sixty, which happens to be a group travel platform. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
1: Excellent, Ulysses. Thank you for the invite, and I'm glad to be here as uh, as your first guest.
0: Talk a little bit about you know your past, and what do you think about the field, and you know, and just kind of whatever else you want to bring to the table. Um, so, again, thanks for coming in. I'm, I'm just going to shoot straight off here. So. No, obviously you're the, uh, as I mentioned, the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer of Group's uh, Group's 360, which is again you you're working in the cybersecurity field. So you, as you're thinking about this, was was cybersecurity something you wanted to be in when when you were younger? Were you thinking about that? What what made you choose this field, or how did you get to uh, this field?
1: That's actually an awesome first question, and and you get that a lot from people when when they find out what it is that you do for a living, and they say, oh, information security or cybersecurity. Well, what is that? And it's it's funny to me because as you asked, it, was this something I was looking to get into when I was younger? And the answer is no. It's it's something I kind of fell into, and I, I hate to say that, but it's just it's it's something I did happen into. That was part of my journey in the information technology field. So it's wasn't right. even referred to as cybersecurity back then. Uh, it, you know, while it was not something new, it was in its infancy in the public or sorry in the private sector. But it was just you know security or at best information security. It was just something that right. I, I found a liking for and something that made sense to me in, in the the tasks that I was doing as part of my information technology job. And I felt, you know, this this could be something. This is something that makes sense, and I
0: should give it a shot. Gotcha, gotcha. So, what was what was your uh, prior to coming in to the uh, information security field or the cybersecurity field? What, what were some of the things you were doing? Like, were you doing network things, or what what does what that look like?
1: I think uh, my journey is is pretty common for for a lot of. Uh, practitioners who have been in the industry for you know better part of 2 or 3 decades is they it, it's an entry through some field of information technology whether you're working in the hardware space working on servers or or client workstation platforms uh, a network or communications engineer Um, It depends on the vertical that you're in. You could be working in privacy or compliance or uh, have a have a a small understanding of a technical background and maybe had some education in it and then moved into IT and then from there branched out, which is kind of what I did. So I, I started in the field working as a network administrator, uh, then providing some, some desktop support looking to to move from what was then common computing and, and start uh, implementing larger systems in organizations. I had provided some support for larger clients uh, in middle and central America, uh, South America, uh, doing some mainframe, some back-end support, and kind of how I got started. I, I think it's pretty common. It's more of a tinkering, and then you find a find an interest in it, and you turn your hobby into a career.
0: Yeah, right, right, and, and yeah, and I and, and I think that's the most exciting thing about this field. Of course, you know, work, working in this field and working in this field with you is, you know, I kind of just <laughs> kind of stumbled into it myself. You know, having a background uh, working in healthcare and healthcare compliance and that kind of, you know, working with HIPAA and and then knowing that you know HIPAA had some um, some security. Um, rules and regulations that needed to be implemented. And I just kind of weaved in from there and all of a sudden I look up and I'm working in this field. <laughs> so definitely understand that. So, I mean, I, I think that's the beauty of it because there, there are there are some things that are transferable. There's some things and skills that you can learn from other fields and uh, bring that into the cybersecurity or the information security field. So, so, so with Absolutely. that said, what, what, yeah, with, with that said, what is your, favorite part about being a chief information security officer or working in this field.
1: So I think the not necessarily about the the role that I'm I'm filling right now but actually working in the field it's it's the interactions with people and being able to to meet them where they're at and try to help them solve an issue that they're facing. By maybe providing a different point of view, uh, obviously a, a different set of eyes, a different frame, uh, looking at the old problem that they may have and try to come up with a new idea of how to solve it. Uh, I give examples of how they may be able to perform daily tasks, things that they're doing in their life, like accessing the internet or sending some data or pictures to someone somewhere and teaching them how they can go about doing it in a more secure, more private way to go ahead and protect what they're trying to do and where they're trying to get it to. Uh, for businesses, right. for me, it's it's kind of the same. So when I look at an organization, and, and especially as a chief information security officer, I, I try to ask questions and get an understanding of, of the actual business, know what they're trying to accomplish, and then determine what potential risks that they may face through the course of their business. And if they do face those risks, what kind of impact would they have if those risks manifested and their operations would be impacted and then just take that information, provide some insights from things that I've seen in the industry from my personal experience or from the experience of, of peers or even things that have been released in news stories, articles, you know, any, anything that has to do with what they may be experiencing and provide them that information to make better risk-based decisions and how to position themselves for resiliency.
0: Just a follow-up question on that, and I mean, you kind of tapped on something um, that I think is an interesting concept. So you mentioned, you know, supporting the business. And so, and and I would I would almost see it this way as, you know, the business is probably the most important um, aspect of this, right? Because without the business, you don't have security. Is that kind of how you see that? Absolutely. It's, you know, security
1: cannot be all in and that's all that there is because, fundamentally, and, and you hit the nail right on the head, is that if there is no business, if the lights are not on, what do you have to secure? So you have to truly be a partner with an organization, with a business, and meet them where they're at. It's not what you would like it to be. It is it is what it is. And you have to you have to approach it as such. It's a it's being honest, it's being transparent about what you're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to accomplish and find the best way to to meet in an amenable space. How long have
0: you been doing this,
1: so the technology field have been doing this since nineteen ninety seven and I think back now I was like, "Wow, has it really been that long <laughs> and and what what an amazing and blessed blessed journey it really has been um information security as as a as a direct job, not a an extra hat that I wore. I think I started that around two thousand and five Uh, but it was always there. As I mentioned before, sometimes it wasn't even called information security. It was just security. And it was one of those things that you Mm -hmm. did as part of the the tasks of your information technology job. But it it has been since 2005 that I started down the journey and and focused uh, primarily on information security. So
0: a little bit of time, a little bit of time. Right, right. So it sounds like about well, about 26 years total, and about maybe 18 working in, in the field. So obviously, and uh, where I was going with that um, a little bit earlier, while I kind of dovetailed, uh, got off the beaten trail with that was, <laughs> so you've had a lot of experiences with dealing with businesses, and like you're saying, meeting them where where they're at, and you know, if you had to kind of focus down and drill down to like maybe maybe one or just two of the most challenging things uh, that you run into when you're trying to implement security uh, or information security into a business or, or its processes? Like, what are those one or two most challenging things? I
1: would say for me, the, the most challenging thing is to make sure that I am translating what I'm trying to to say, what I'm trying to get across to the business in a way that they can digest it and take action on it. And the action may not be, yes, we're going to implement this particular platform, or yes, we're going to go ahead and lock down the the, the data with these types of controls. It may be that I'm trying to go ahead and just raise awareness for better actions, better practices. Um, it, the, the trick is trying to to truly translate it out into something that everybody can get something out of. And to be fair, not everybody wants to understand information security. Not everybody understands right. it like we do. And 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 I say that very, very loosely because I don't know everything. I don't know all there is to know about this field. I don't think that anybody does, anybody worth their salt anyway. And we have to be right. – or we're, we're perceived to be uh, all-knowing and the jack-of-all-trades when it comes to things, but I, I think that I want to meet somebody where they're at kind of the same way that I learned it. I want to go ahead and spark that in, inquisitiveness, that that questioning of why, and then once I hook into something like that, I'm able to go ahead and and, and dig deeper. I'm able to go ahead and grab a hold of that person's attention and try to help them farther down that journey. This is what I'm trying to bring to you. Do you understand? Yes. Do you have questions? How can I be better providing education awareness to you? And to me, that was always the hardest thing when I got started in this is is trying to translate it out into terms that everyone in the business could understand and not necessarily agree with, but at least have a common starting point of frame
0: of knowledge and what you're trying to accomplish together sounds like uh, what you're saying is just communicating like just the the bare bones kind of thing that we you know we want to do and it, and we want to do it well right but it's just trying to get it to especially like when people think of and and, and it's weird like when people talk to me of course being in on uh, this field they they think it's just you know i sit around with cans of red bull and and watching soccer <laughs> people work on the screen that's not really how it is it's You spend a lot of your time just, you know, number one, understanding what the objective is and then trying to wrap your understanding of the objective into some type of platform or tool or or solution, as you mentioned earlier. And and that's what it is. A lot of it is just, you know, understanding to your point what the problem is and how you know, what you can use currently to solve that problem. And what if there's additional needs, like, do you need to go outside and get a a tool Are there extra personnel you need to hire? Like you might need an extra engineer or something that can kind of, uh, or someone that can kind of um, monitor that telemetry that that you're bringing in, or is it another tool or whatever? So.
1: Absolutely. It's not that it's not what they perceive when they look at it on TV or when they see it in a movie, information security, you know, and even the practitioners of this, for the most part, the job can become very mundane and and in some instances, very bland. We're not not always chasing down somebody who is wearing a hoodie and trying to go ahead and break (laughs) into your organization. It's a lot of it is about looking at common practices and things that should be foundational in an organization. And making sure that they align with what we're trying to do, uh, looking at common frameworks that are out there, better ways to, to make your business more resilient, a little bit more airtight because there's nothing 100% secure, and just continuing to hammer at those. And there's days, there's there's been weeks, there's been months where I feel that, man, there's nothing really changing or the needle is moving ever so slightly, but it's it's not inches it's not feet. It's moving fractions of an inch. It's moving in millimeters. And I've got to always remember that as long as I'm moving that needle forward, my teams are moving that needle forward, we're making progress. The, the 1% yeah. methodology every single day, if we improve 1%, we're doing something. If we improve a 10th of a percent, we're doing something
0: what do you think people misunderstand and I think you touched on a little bit about, but you know, what else do you think people misunderstand about information security or cybersecurity when they're looking at it? What else do you think they misunderstand about it?
1: That's, that is awesome. I'm glad that you asked that. It's again, it's, it's not the, the sexy portrayal that you see in movies or maybe that you read in books. It it truly does have a, a repetitive and mundane nature for most of the time. But Cybersecurity and security in general is not about being cutting edge. It's not about having the latest and greatest whatever it happens to be, because there's always something new out there. There's, We love in this industry, we love our acronyms. <laughs> we love the fact that right. there's new plat, new platforms and new ways to go ahead and attack this, XDR, EDR, NDR. I'm just going to go ahead and make right. up ID, IDR, it, whatever it happens to be. It's you know, There's always something new that's out there, and somebody – touting that that is the latest and greatest for you. Uh, that also happens on the hardware side. It's there's always a new gadget that you can go ahead and get and implement and it's going to change, it's going to revolutionize, it's going to it's going to impact your business in ways that never you never could have thought of and it's going to make you secure. The fact is that mm-hmm. secured security is is point in time just like compliance is point in time. Um you're not always going to be 100% secure. You're not always going to be 100% compliant. But what is true is that most often the problems that we face tend to be the same. The lack of foundational practices that aren't applied appropriately, and most of the time those get you the best bang for the buck, and those are usually the things that can solve most of the problems that that an organization faces regardless of their size, uh, experience or or their staying power, what is their maturity in the industry that they're in, everybody can do more by applying and, and reaffirming their foundational practices. And I think that that's a common you know, misconception about cyber, is that it's got to be something right. new all the time.
0: You know, and as you were, you know, providing that answer, I was thinking, you know, everyone that's Providing some type of support to the business, you know, whether it could be from accounting to down to, you know, this field, I think everybody can take something from what you just said, right? You, you, you've got to come to it and try to and figure out like, what, what, what exactly am I trying to do here? And, you know, what, what are people misunderstanding about what I can deliver? I was reading something a little bit earlier that talked about employment gaps in cybersecurity and information security. So I was on this one um, resource called Cybersecurity Dive. And they recently reported the findings of a study um, done by the International Information S- System Security Certification Consortium, which most people may know as ISC squared, saying that right now they are estimating that there are about 4.7 million people doing cybersecurity work globally. And that was at the end of uh, 2022. But they also reported that there is a need for three to four million more people in this field. That's a lot of people. So and also reported that is that's an increase of 26 percent over the 2021 numbers, but that also reversed a two year downtrend. So at one point in time, they were saying, hey, look, we may not need as many cybersecurity workers. But now, no, we need 26 percent more than what we projected in 2021. So, so, obviously, there is a bit of an employment gap in this field. So, you know, the field does need workers. So, if someone is out there right now that has those transferable skills or thinking about, hey, how do I get into cybersecurity, what what do you recommend that they do first?
1: Well, firstly, I'd, I'd like to say that those numbers are amazing. I'm, it, I'm so proud to hear that there's that many practitioners out there trying to fight the good fight, trying to, to move things, move that needle, move the direction, move the move us towards the goalpost of having a safer environment uh, in a world that we can live in, uh, not just for our our own, our personal needs, but for our businesses and and the way that we conduct uh, conduct business for our organizations, because you know, it takes everyone. It does truly take a village to get there. And it's also sad to hear that there's that many openings out there that go unfilled. And to me, there's, It's a systemic problem in the the hiring of practitioners because a lot of these jobs, when you look at the job descriptions and the requirements that are listed in these job descriptions, it does not align with what reality is for most people trying to get into an information security career or cybersecurity career. As you uh-huh. mentioned, there's a lot there's a lot of transferable skills. There's people who come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. Uh, some of my favorite are people who exit the armed services uh, are veterans that are out there that want to move into a cyber career and want to take those yeah. transferable skills that they learned in the military and be able to go ahead and apply them in the civilian sectors and work for organizations trying to help them shore up their 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 platforms and and bring themselves into what they would consider a, a good hygiene-based information security program for that company. And, right. you know, it, back to those job requirements is you see so many out there that say introductory level job, cybersecurity analyst. And as you're going through it, you start to feel the pain of, of what some of these job seekers, some young Uh, graduates that are just coming into the job market, or those who have been in there and displaced by an unfortunate downturn, economic or otherwise, and and have to go ahead and move into the career. And you see some of these requirements. Uh, It says entry level, but someone with 10 years of experience, three to four industry known (laughs) certifications that take at least five years piece of documented experience and exposure to even ethically sit for (laughs) <laughs> some of these criteria and then you look at it and all of their duties as assigned. I want you to be on call 24 seven, want you to have experiences with technologies that may be brand new um, and five years experience and exposure to those. And it's entry level. Remember, and that's what the job said. And, <laughs> right. and, and they, they pay barely more than someone would make working at a fast food restaurant. It is, it's disheartening for a lot of practitioners to see that, uh, it's disheartening for people who want to come into the field because they truly have an interest. They have a desire. They have a want to to look at this career field. And it's not all about the money. It's got to be something else that's right. driving them to it. But th- when you put that barrier, which is so hard to, to, to get past, and you realize that it, this is what's stopping most of these jobs from going uh, for, or st- stopping them from being filled, they go unfilled because of that. And it's because there's a disconnect between those who are putting out those openings and those who are mm-hmm. looking to fill to fill those openings with the practitioners and the people who will do a good job. Um, again, I like some of the things that I've seen organizations out there saying, don't worry about every single thing that you see in this job posting. If you have some of these skills, if you have transferable skills, Heck, even if you come from an industry where you don't have direct exposure to what we do, but you have a desire to want to do this, this is the place for you. And that's what I think that we need to see more in the industry is, hey, have you ever thought of cyber as a career? Do you know what cybersecurity is? Do you have a knack for solving problems? Do you like to work with people? Do you think that the world could be a better place if you were able to operate more securely, more privately. If so, we have something for you. And start that way as opposed to asking them for ridiculous credentials, ridiculous experience, ridiculous exposure, <laughs> and then wanting to pay them a penance. That, that's insulting.
0: Right.
1: It's insulting to right. the job seeker, and it's insulting to the the potential employer.
0: It really is. Sounds like you're saying just kind of figure out if if if, if this cybersecurity is, is a fit for them, and then kind of maybe consult some people in the in the field and get their feedback. Does that sound about right? You
1: are a hundred percent correct, and it's it leads kind of towards my my own personal methodology when I looked at stuff like that. And it's going to sound funny, but I have an acronym, and it, I call it the TADA the TADA method. And I'll break it right. down for you. It, it, it's pretty basic. But th- if I was a job seeker today looking at a, a career in cybersecurity, um, I go through this process. And the, the first part of it, the the T stands for transparency. So oh, okay. remember, all the, transparency is a two-way street. So you're hoping that the job description that you're looking at is 100 percent transparent. That they're not just throwing the kitchen sink uh, out there and saying, hey, do you have this? Do you have this? Getting all their asks and all their wants out is great, but is it realistic? Because when somebody right. fills out that resume and if they are fortunate enough, if, if they're lucky enough to go ahead and get that interview, whether it's an initial phone screening or be able to come on site and meet with the 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 hiring manager or a panel uh, about the career that that they're looking to to move into – you're supposed to be a hundred percent transparent with them. You're supposed to be able to go ahead and share, you know, what is it that you bring to the table? Where are you strong? Where do you have gaps? Why do you think you would be a good fit for this company? I think the transparency component is also on the side of the business to say, Hey, this is what the job is. This is what the job isn't. This is what we're looking right. for. This is, this is what we can provide you and if you start off from a place of transparency, I think that that's the, that's the key to to moving forward through the process. If you're not clear, gotcha. if you're not honest up front, it leaves too many gaps. And a lot of people tend to tend to leave organizations uh, where they feel that they were not transparent with them up front. And some organizations uh, leave people <laughs> because the people were not transparent <laughs> about their capabilities or lack thereof. Um, right. From there, it moves to the next one, which is is your aptitude, is do you have what it takes to do this job? Are you willing to go ahead? And if you don't have the required skills, knowledge, experience, are you willing to get them? And are you able to go ahead and explain that in a way that makes sense? You might not have five years of practical experience because this is a a fledgling career choice for you. You just made the decision to move into cyber but you did complete coursework at a university, or you were part of a community or a a leadership team in an organization where you had some responsibilities for a technology facet, or you provided guidance and awareness in, in this particular space that is transferable over to what you're trying to do, or say that you you know, you were a tinkerer and you set up a lab and you can go ahead and prove out some of these practices that are required for the role that you're going to go ahead and fulfill or that you're trying to fulfill with the company and show them, I've got this, I've got the desire to do this, and I've got the, I've got the skills and knowledge to be able to do this. Uh, again, right. it doesn't have to be 100% across the board, but are you willing to do it? And do you have what it takes to to potentially move into the next level, and are you willing to do what it takes to to move there? So that moves into the next one, which is the attitude. So attitude is everything, and you know, there's a saying. I, I believe that John F. Kennedy said that it's your attitude and not your aptitude that will determine your altitude, and that that truly yeah. does play into this. Attitude is very, very important because after after you've gone through the transparency. You've gone through your aptitudes and and what you put on your resume, the background, who you are, what you bring to the table. Some people may feel a little bit uh, a little bit upset with the responses that they get. Oh, you don't have that much experience, or oh, so you've never really done that before, or oh, so this is something that is new to you, or you've never worked in this particular industry. You got to take that with a grain of salt, and you got to go ahead and shine through. You're there for a reason make the most of that interview, make the most of the of the, the opportunity that you've been given and show them a positive attitude. And if you can't, you got to check it out right there. You say, I don't even move through the rest of the process. This obviously isn't for me. I need to go back. Right. I need to take a lap. I need to reassess and then approach it from a different perspective. Because if you don't have those three, then you don't get to the D, which is decision time. So you've gone through gotcha. the process and they like you, you like them, they've got something to offer you, the mission, the culture of the company, the role that you may be fulfilling, uh, the opportunities for advancement. Um, it may be everything that you wanted, and then they come back with with something that, hey, the salary is not what what your potential expectations were, or hey, we can do. This, but we can't do that. Uh, remote work is a great, uh, great example. So, a lot of people want to be 100% remote or have a have a 60/40 split. Well, the company may not be in a, in a place where they like hybrid work or that they that they found that hybrid work has been effective for them. But they'll meet you part way and say, you know, we're willing to try this. You try remote one day a week and and come into the office four days a week. That may be a decision that you have to make because they're extending. A potential offer to you, and you have to decide if that's where you want to be, and that's what you're willing to accept. Everybody has a number in their head. If anybody tells you that they don't, they're not being they're not being honest. People believe that they have a value that ties to their skill sets, that that ties to their experience, that ties to the time that they've put in to do what they're being hired to do. And it comes to that base decision: is it worth it? Is what they're saying and what they're offering worth it? And am I going to be a good fit in this company? They think so. What do I think? Do I think that this company is going to be a good fit for me? So yeah. you go ahead and take you you take that decision, and from there, again, you're going to move into your altitude. So once you make that decision to move forward with the company, you you've accepted that you've accepted it, and you've taken that role. You're executing on that role. Sky's the limit it might not be with this company and that that's also something that people have to realize that you're probably not going to stay in the same company that you got your first job in this industry and in. the chances are that you will grow and you will experience other things other facets of the role you may even find another industry that that you are you never thought you'd be drawn to but your skills are transferable and the the trick is that the altitude within an organization is all dependent on you yeah you know, for for the most part there there's things that you can't control, and that's okay, but you do get to decide. And uh, somebody very, very smart told me, you write the chapter to your story. You close the chapter to your story. <laughs> Nobody else does. I wonder,
0: wonder who that was. I wonder, I wonder who, wonder who, who could have said yeah, that. I wonder who could have said that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm following, it's uh, transparency, aptitude, um attitude, decision time, and altitude. That's pretty much Absolutely. a good framework for judging, hey, how do I want to pr- proceed here?
1: Absolutely. And and that works for me. It might not work for everybody. And again, you can you can take pieces of, of that and turn it into your own framework. But have something to to go into, have something to work off of. And most frameworks are are a wire. It's it's not guaranteed. It's not a hundred percent, but that has been what has worked well for me. And I think that even some of those basic practices, you know, switch or switch letters around. It just happened to work out to be ta da. That's the magic. <laughs> but it's worked for me and I and I hope that it can work and help
0: someone else. Absolutely. I think so. I mean, that's a that's a to me is a good way of looking at um how to proceed with things. You know, and I've always been a huge proponent of making sure, to your point, you know, we're talking about make sure that you write the the end of your story. I've always been a big proponent of people trying to kinda of maintaining control over where they want to go and, and not just being not so quick to give up that control to to some random event or person and just, you know, strictly maintaining control over what they want to do and how they want to do it. Because like I've always said enough, you know, you know, there's a place where you end and someone else or something else begins and you just kind of, you have to make sure that you maintain from where you end back and everything else will kind of work itself out.
1: Hey, you just just, hit on the transparency is, you know, there's a place where you end and that Whatever it is begins, but reciprocally, there's a place where that ends, and you continue to go on. You begin. So
0: there you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we. we, I think we created something here. (laughs) So you know, I I want to touch on this, and 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 kind of based on some of the information that you've been giving since we uh, started talking here, and so recently. And I can see how this how this came about to you. So recently, you were named as one of the fifty CISOs to watch in twenty twenty three by Lacework. And again, judging them from what we've been talking about, I can see how um, how they may have come to that. You know, you get a lot of inside information, and that's just a huge thing. To be to 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 me, that would seem like a, a huge thing that someone is saying, "Hey, you know, out of." All the CISOs that could be eligible for this, you are you are the one that we're saying, hey, you, you, this is a guy to watch because, you know, they're bringing in, they they found a way to merge their craft, their vision, um, their workability inside of an organization into something that can work um, and be positive. So when you think about that, when you when you found out about that, how did that how did that resonate with you? How did that make you feel?
1: It. It was interesting because, first of all, completely humbled. the 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 list of nominees from from their inaugural top fifty CISOs to watch. I was listed in there uh, amongst some very very well known practitioners from very very large organizations, global, domestic, all different types of verticals, and was really really humbled. Um, I didn't even know until Lacework reached out to me to to congratulate me, and. I, I was very, very thankful, kind of taken back a little bit because i never, I never see myself in the same light as, as other people see me. And, you know, I think that we're always our own worst critics in some way, shape or form. And it was just, right. it was an honor. It, it really was honor, uh, an honor to hear that. And it was very, very humbling. And I, first of all, I was glad that I wasn't on the FBI or the NSA's uh, 50 <laughs> 50 top CISOs to watch. That was that was pretty good. <laughs> all, yeah. all joking aside, though, but you know, it's it was it truly was a humbling experience, and and to be there amongst other practitioners and and colleagues in the field that that are doing that work, that are trying to again, like I said, move that needle, fight the fight, the good fight. Uh, I, I can't say any more than that. Than that, it was, it was a blessing and and very humbled by it. So thank you, Lacework, and Absolutely. and the panel that that did that consideration for me.
0: Uh, I do Absolutely. truly appreciate it. This kind of you know this is this has really been good. I think you've given a lot of information and and I think that you know um, whoever's listening to this can can probably you know start to glean or pull out some things and. And maybe make them make it work for themselves if they're seeking um, if they're currently in cybersecurity or information security if they're seeking to get in I think that you've given a lot of good information that can help uh, move their career along so let's let's kind of transition out of that um, for a second and and get a little bit more on the personal side this is something I just always I kind of like that I ask people so if you had to name three movies you want this audio to see you personally recommend, or maybe three books you want them to read, or maybe a combination of that. Like what, what would that look like? What would, what would be the three movies or books or the combination that you would say?
1: Oh, well, that that's interesting. That That is a great question. So I'm going to stick along the, the, the path of, of the conversation, even though it's, it's more personal to me, but I'm going to give you two books one that i read recently again um which was rules for radicals by Saul Alinsky. it's it's a oh, yeah. it's an interesting book it is a great read and you know different walks of life different perspectives and and people can take it for for what it is i just think it's something that it's a good primer i think it i think it opens up your mind to some critical thinking and some different ideas especially about means and ends and you know especially yeah. for practitioners in this field uh you, you never know. Your means may may be uh, dwindling, or you may be you know, fruitful and have have a very large capability, uh, large budget, large resource uh, to to draw from to execute. Sometimes you might not, and you really think about ends and means. And again, it, it I will say it, it gives you a different thought perspective. And I th- I think that that would be a good book for anyone to read. Um, I'm also reading right now uh, a book called Big Little Breakthroughs by uh, Josh Linker, and it's interesting. Okay. Uh, he is an entrepreneur, a uh, self-starter. He has worked in multiple businesses, um, and it's it's about looking for everyday innovations and trying to find those big little things that will help you get to where you want to go. the 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 things that can turn ideas into action. Uh, and, you know, one of the, the comments was uh, the former CEO of AOL, Steve Case, uh, said that provides a clear path for you to build an army of everyday innovators and turn ideas into action. And it really is yeah. what that book is about. So I like that because much along the conversation line that we had it's in what we do, it's the big little breakthroughs. It's getting someone to understand. It's making that connection. It is accomplishing what you you thought was impossible once you make those little breakthroughs they add up to a lot so great book yeah, absolutely and yeah. uh for i'll give you a movie and this you know i i did say that cybersecurity is not always sexy it's not the uh somebody mm-hmm. who is working covert missions for uh an a mission impossible task force you're not a covert operator but the, a movie that came out was a couple of years old uh Chris Hemsworth starred it it's called uh Black Hat and it's pretty interesting oh yeah uh i th- i think that it is probably if you're looking at what what is the the closest understanding or or the 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 closest concept of of malicious entities and uh individuals what the the industry terms as hackers, which is incorrect, but I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, those those right, people right. <laughs> who, who those people who want to go ahead and take advantage of technology to to get it to do something that it not was not originally intended to go ahead and do, I think that that right. gives a a pretty cool view inside. You know, not all of it is is 100% realistic, but it definitely gives a Cool insight for those thinking about the field and and some of the things that they may be defending against. And it, it, it's a it's a pretty entertaining movie.
0: So, I have to check out that second book, you know, especially around the innovation piece, you know. And I, and I'm, I was sharing this with you not too long ago. I was you know, I read a quote, um, it was from Henry Ford that said if he would have listened to, as he was designing, uh, you know, or or trying to figure out. The automobile. Like, if you were to listen to people, um, what they would have asked for was a faster horse <laughs> versus versus actually what he was what he was actually trying to build, which was the car. So sometimes you gotta look to look for those edges and you know and provide you know out of the box solution. I hate to use I, I hate to use that word, but you know provide uh, creative solutions to there you go. Um, to issues. Yeah, <laughs> to the issues and things, and sometimes it may end up looking like something that no one ever thought it would look like, but it ended up being very useful, right? So
1: um And you never know. It could okay, be a problem good. that somebody's been facing and, and you just you you are able to go ahead and provide a solution or provide a perspective that they've never ever heard of or ever thought of. And you could be the answer to their problem.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um uh, we covered a lot. We've cut uh covered a lot of ground in this uh conversation and you know it, it, was there anything that I didn't ask you that maybe you wanted to to expound upon? I think that you touched on all
1: the subjects that are very very rele- relevant. And when you think about this field, there's so many questions people ask all the time. It's hey, I've got a, a son or daughter or a friend who wants to get in this field. What what should they be looking at? What what should they be thinking of? Uh, you yeah. touched on a lot of those great subjects on. The- on why I got into it and and how I would approach looking to get into the field. Um you know, I would say that this this was a very informative question and answer session. I appreciate you having me here. I don't think that you you missed anything. Um some people have asked me though, is is if I wasn't doing cybersecurity, what would I be doing? And Okay. I honestly ask myself, I ask myself that a lot and I don't know if I have a great answer for it, but uh, I I continuously joke that I, I would love to be a traveling food critic and I'd probably be horrible <laughs> at that. Okay. Who knows?
0: <laughs> where can this audience find out more about you? Like if they, you know, want to, you know, read a little bit more about your background or reach out, where, where can they, where can they find out more about you?
1: So it uh, probably sounds kind of funny as a security practitioner, but I am not a huge uh, proponent of social media, so I do have a LinkedIn yeah. profile if somebody would like to, to reach out to me there. I have always said this. Uh, I did not get into this field by myself. I did not get to where I am by myself. There were a lot of people that helped me along the way, providing education, providing guidance providing an ear to listen to or or just a, a a sounding board to to get something off of my chest so if i'm able to to help anybody in that in that way i would like to pay it forward so feel free to find me on linkedin and if i can help you if i can provide any guidance or even just listen
0: and, and provide the perspective, I'm glad to go ahead and do it. Today spent some some good time, some great time, some informative time with uh, William Hanning, who is currently the Chief Information Security Officer for Group 360. Sir, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time.
1: You have been a gracious host and an amazing podcast. Thank you, Ulysses. I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Have a great day, everyone.